A mother and son walk into the clinic, and the mother is complaining that her six-year-old child has not been eating his food for the last week and a half. And aside from that, he's been washing his hands frequently, and he had a group A strep infection one month ago. What is on your differential? Hello everyone and welcome back to the Rick U Podcast, where we're here keeping you up to date on all the latest in clinical research. Today's episode comes from multiple fields, including pediatrics, infectious disease, immunology, rheumatology, neurology, and child psychiatry. So it's going to be a doozy. Are you guys ready for this? Indeed. Okay, good. So today's article comes from the Journal of Child and Adolescent Psychopharmacology titled Evaluation of Intravenous Immunoglobulin in Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome, printed in March of 2021. Today's article is going to be discussing the clinical entity of PANDAS, or or as we'll soon see, PANS. There is an increasing body of clinical, preclinical, and basic science research data that support uh, conceptualizing these clinical entities, and I'm referring to them as these clinical entities, I I don't know why, but it's PANS and PANDAS, as an immune-mediated neurologic disorder, uh, and suggests that there's an immune dysfunction that may contribute to disease manifestation and progression. Originally, there were five somewhat obscure and difficult to define criteria to make the diagnosis, but as of 2012, um, there's been a broader definition uh, that was proposed. Uh, The preferred terminology is now PANS, which is Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome, in which the key clinical features include acute and dramatic symptom onset of OCD and or severely restricted food intake with at least two coinciding abrupt onset, equally, equally debilitating symptoms such as anxiety, dysregulation, irritability, aggression, and some other things that uh, you're all more than welcome to look up. Um, So now PANDAS is actually considered a subgroup of PANS. Uh, There was some uh, PANS consensus conference uh, in Stanford University of 2013. I'd love to be one of these, part of one of these groups of doctors that just like redefines a disease one day. I think that's like, that's my goal. Yeah, and so there were actually specialists, like I said before, from pediatrics, infectious disease, etc., from a bunch of different specialties that came together and redefined uh, these clinical entities and the uh, criteria for making the diagnosis. Yeah, so current treatment modalities for PANS include psychiatric and behavioral interventions, as well as the use of NSAIDs, antibiotic therapy, corticosteroids, plasmapheresis, and IVIG. As per the guidelines for moderate to severe PANS, you can use oral or intravenous corticosteroids. However, IVIG for a more severe type of PANDAS is the preferred treatment. Uh, The hypothesis basically is is that this is a new form of post-infectious autoimmunity. So it's a molecular mimicry type of a thing, just like rheumatic heart disease. You know, your body starts to fight proteins in the heart, um, even though it's autoimmune, meaning it's the person's heart. So to here, uh, the body starts to develop antibodies against proteins in the brain. Our experiment here that the authors are trying to show is they wanted to explore the efficacy of multiple consecutive infusions of IVIG for the treatment of PANS. So, Jack, 
Could you please get us into the stats over here? By the way, his new name is Jack Stat. As we discussed in the last episode on the Ricky, we did not have a name for him. It is now Jack Stat due to popular demand. So, Jack, please get us started. All right. So, this was an open-label study, and it was conducted at three clinical uh, research sites in the United States. So, to be eligible for the study, the participants were between 4 and 16 years of age, and they were required to have a diagnosis of moderate to severe pains based on the accepted criteria that Gabe was talking about. And this was validated by the PANS scale. All the patients presented with symptoms that were not controlled using the standard PANS therapy, like the antibiotics, the SSRIs, the steroids, uh, the ADHD medications, like what Daniel was saying, all those current treatments. And therefore, the um, according to the published treatment recommendations, they required more aggressive immunomodulary interventions, the IVIGs. So these people failed the current treatment, and that's why they were going to IVIGs. The primary endpoint was the evaluation of the efficacy of IVIG, which is octogram uh, 5% in PANS over a period of six months. So you have six infusions. And based on the mean changes in the psychological evaluation scores using six different assessments. So they basically used six assessments and they monitored them for the six months, six infusions, and uh, they tried to see if they got better using the IVIG. What's the octogram you mentioned? Octogram 5% is just the name of the IVIG. Um, it's basically solution. the antibodies from all the different donors just piled into one mm -hmm. solution. Yeah. Okay. All right, so um, that was a little bit about the method, jumping to the results. Uh, the final cohort of, consisted of 21 subjects, seven per site, with moderate to severe pains. The mean age of the uh, participants was 10.86 years, so the range was 4 to 16 years old. The results showed statistically significant reductions in symptoms from baseline to the end of the treatment in all six assessments measured. So in all six, all six assessments, they were a significant reduction um, based with the IVIG treatment. Now the Children Yale Brown Obsessive Compulsive Scale, CBOX for short, results demonstrated statistically significant reductions in obsessive compulsive symptoms with a p-value of less than 0 0.0001, resulting in a greater than 50% improvement sustained for at least eight weeks after the final infusion. So there was greater than half 50% uh, improvement after eight weeks from the final infusion and up to 46 weeks in a subset of the subjects. Um, for the adverse events that were considered related to the IVIG infusions, it included three severe headaches, one patient received sumatriptan and no medication was needed for the other two subjects. Um, following resolution, there were no further complications with the headaches, uh, and the remaining uh, related adverse events were rated as mild or moderate. It included headache, nausea, vomiting, rash. All of them were mild and moderate, and they had no further complications, so and no serious adverse events were occurred during the study. All right, uh, Daniel, so what can we take away from this study? Yeah, Jack. So uh, basically, PANDAS is an extremely controversial field at the moment. Um, not everyone believes in it. Um, and basically, this was trying to prove that it is an immune issue because IVIG is an immune 
uh, treatment basically and the fact that it shows here that it could work uh, would just bring proof that this is an immunosensitization of the body and, and that's what's causing this. Uh, so, so this is just here to bring proof onto what we already know uh, from 1999. There was a study that basically tried to um, assess uh, if IVIG could be used in general as a treatment for this. And this, you know, just adds on proof and it shows exactly how much it works. Um, so from here, I think we're going to move on to Gabe. So Gabe, could you please enlighten us with your attending tip of the day? I'd be delighted to. So Very good. Say you're doing your child neurology rotation or a child rheumatology rotation or any of those uh, pediatric rotations, and your attending asks you um, to describe pandas or pans in a couple of sentences and some of the treatments that are recommended. So you would say, well, pandas is believed to be a subgroup of pans uh, where you have a child who comes who presents with an acute onset of ticks or OCD or some sort of restrictive eating disorder uh, and you might elicit in the history some strep infection or something of that nature uh, and the current guidelines recommend uh, mostly IVIG although there is some antibiotics that are used in NSAIDs and other therapies uh, but you would definitely mention to your attending the use of immune, immunoglobulins, IVIG, and the attending will undoubtedly be impressed with your knowledge of PANS and PANDAS. Daniel, do you have anything for us to ponder this week? Of course I have something for you to ponder. Okay, so the pondering question of the week is as follows. The placebo effect. It is known as, as a very, very bad thing when we do something for a patient and we say, oh, it's just a placebo. But at the end of the day, if the, if the placebo effect works, why wouldn't we do it anyway? What's the difference why it works? As long as the patient feels that it works and he's improving on it, why do we care? What do you want to just give patients placebo medication instead of real medication? What's this pondering question asking? Well, firstly, relax a little bit. I'll give you some pills that you can take. It'll calm you down. The question is, is really like, what's the difference? We always have this thing like, oh, does it work better than a placebo? But we see that the placebo works also. So at the end of the day, okay, it doesn't work. Better. That's the idea. That's let's say you don't have an alternative yet. And so you're trying to prove your pondering question is, in a scenario where a placebo has been shown to be as equally or uh, comparably effective as a medication, why don't we just uh, hand out uh, Winkies. Placebo, <laughs> placebo medications. I don't know. I don't know a case of a, of a placebo and a treatment. Is Whenever they effective. try out a drug, they usually compare it yeah. to a placebo and yeah. see if it works better. Because if, it works not, better. Yeah. if not, it's just as good as the placebo. And we know that the placebo is just working because the person thinks it works. Uh -huh. But at the end of the day, if they're feeling better, why do we care? I think we'd love to hear of uh, everyone's uh, answers, or rather, their critiques of Daniel's pondering questions. I have an answer to this one, but uh, I'm going to wait to hear from the listeners first, okay. and then maybe I will say the answer. So, how next can they week. reach out to us? They can reach us at thericcuteam at gmail.com, or they can reach us on Instagram or Facebook at thericcuteam. And, guys, again, if you have any complaints, send them to Gabe. As always, I take them very seriously. Daniel, why don't you tell us about something interesting that uh, we're connecting to this uh, episode? Ah, so for this coming up week, we have a special that's coming out on 
treating pandas with a pediatrician who is going to talk a little bit about himself and a little bit about how he treats pandas and pans. And is this a vet or a pediatrician? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. How he treats pandas. <laughs> well, they are an endangered species, so I, I guess we do need someone for them. I mean, you cut it out. This is actually staying inside, Gabe, and the listeners are going to love it. <laughs> anyway, so we have two phenomenal medical students that put together a panel, basically, and they interviewed a pediatrician, and he's going to discuss the ins and outs of treating pandas and his approach to it, and what you need to rule out, rule in, uh, the different research that is coming up, and it is quite interesting, so please stay tuned. That sounds fantastic. So it's going to be uh, talking about translating the uh, experimental research into clinical practice. So I uh, hope everyone enjoys it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Ricky podcast, where we always keep you up to date on the latest research 